Your busy speaking schedule has taken you recently to Toronto, Winona State University in Winona, Minnesota, Fort Wayne, Indiana, London, England, and today, Boulder, Colorado. What's going on at these events? I know you've been getting huge crowds. You can see that the tour is building up in significance and importance, finally reaching the peak in Boulder. You can't do better than this. <laughs> it's pretty much what's been going on for a number of years now. There are very large, enthusiastic, and interested audiences that participate actively. They ask serious questions and want to talk about important issues. Topics that I never would have thought of discussing 20 years ago are now perfectly accessible to anyone. I really never think twice about what I'm going to say to a particular audience. London is a different scene, but Fort Wayne was organized by the Northeast Indiana Labor Council, a collection of a couple of dozen unions in the industrial heartland. I don't know the Winona area very well, but I imagine it's mostly farming and small industry. In both cases, you couldn't ask for a more involved, energetic, and thoughtful audience. They want to think hard about what's happening in the world and what they can do about it. Do you have a sense that you're talking to the choir, or are you reaching the congregation? These aren't exactly places that are peppered with lefty activists. These are what are called ordinary people. So, not a lot of Z Magazine subscribers and readers of Common Courage Press books. You meet a few now and then, but they're scattered around. I met one or two people who had been at the Z Media Institute and who were familiar with the magazine, but certainly 99% are not. The Fort Wayne event was singular in one particular respect. Actually, it was unusual for me. I've spoken to labor groups elsewhere in Canada and overseas, but it's the first time I can recall being invited by a mainstream labor grouping in the U.S. at a place like that. It is sort of right in the middle of what has been the industrial heartland of the country. In fact, it's considered a pretty right-wing area, but it sure didn't have that feel. After the talk, there was a reception, they were raising money for the unions, $25 a shot, but a lot of people were there. We stayed around for hours and had a great discussion until early in the morning. In the May 1998 Z Magazine, you have an article entitled Domestic Constituencies, where you talk about various free trade agreements and proposals. You comment that it is always enlightening to seek out what is omitted in propaganda campaigns. What did your investigations into the particular propaganda effort around the multilateral agreement on investment reveal? The MAI is a major investment treaty. It has been planned and intensively negotiated now for three years, first at the World Trade Organization, WTO, and when they couldn't ram it through there, it moved over to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development in Paris. The OECD consists of the 29 rich countries. MAI has been going on there since May 1995. There's been extensive, intimate involvement of the corporate sector. There's a group called the U.S. Council for International Business, which is essentially the main lobbying organization for internationally oriented corporations. They actually put out a monograph in January 1996 informing their constituency of the contents of MAI and its importance. Congress hasn't been informed. In this same article, I reviewed the mainstream press. It's been astonishingly silent.
It has yet to make the New York Times. The Wall Street Journal had a report. In early April, the Washington Post had its first news article. It reported the failure of the OECD to sign it after three years, due in large measure to grassroots pressure.